What's up, people? Welcome back to Rebranding Safety. Today, I'm going to warn you, it's going to be a little bit of a ranty episode. We're talking all about emergency evacuation planning and just emergency planning in general. But in specific, we're referring to a news story that was on BBC the last couple of weeks about a fire that happened a while ago. So let's get into the podcast. Health and safety is almost a victim of its own success. We are an oppressive regime of health and safety regulations. A huge fire engulfs a tower block in Children being forced to wear goggles to play conkers at school. Worst oil field disaster, 164 dead. Rebranding Safety, the modern health and safety podcast, crushing the stereotype. Brought to you by Riss Fluent and your host, James McPherson. Okay, welcome back guys to Rebranding Safety. If you're new here, this is the podcast where we talk all about health and safety. We make it real simple to help you save lives and save money in your business. So if you're new here, consider subscribing. Jump over to YouTube as well, where we put the podcast on video version, but also got some extra content every Tuesday, Short Sharp Toolbox Tuesday videos. So what are we talking about today? Today we are talking all about emergency evacuation. So I don't know if you saw, but there was a fire uh, back in April 2017, um, a care home in Hertfordshire. The news story came out BBC this weekend because this uh, care home has been subsequently fined £175,000 for the fire, which resulted in the death of two ladies um age 91 and 88 so i've got a bit of experience in this kind of industry um and and as you know i talk about fire quite a lot on this podcast uh, it's something i'm involved in on a daily basis something i'm quite passionate about um and along with all health and safety really but fire for me is just something that we just massively take for granted and i've done a podcast on why i don't think grandpa's going to change anything um and why i'm so worried about it and that's worth having a listen to as well um i'll link it in the description for you so like i said it's going to be a little bit of a ranty um ranty podcast and the reasons for that is because in short, if we go into this news story in the BBC, and I'll link this in the description, like I say, but we got a couple of quotes here from the fire service. So they said, if enough competent staff had been present and properly trained to carry out long established and recognised guidance on evacuation in the care home, I'm sure that a full evacuation would have started long before our arrival. Okay. Then they said, evacuation of a care home is a difficult task. It needs to be properly considered and practiced so that everyone can escape unharmed. So I 100% agree with what, what they're saying there. Whether that's a fire service, it doesn't actually say who said that. Um, anyway, um, I 100% agree with what they're saying. If nine times out of ten, you have enough staff and they're all competently trained and they all know what they're doing. Evacuation is a simple, simple process, right? However, in things like care homes, hospitals, things like that, it is a complicated process. But if you plan it well and you staff it correctly, then it is not too complicated. 
it is difficult, but it is not too complicated. And that's why you design things like compartmentation and sprinklers and early warning systems and whatever else, all these proactive preventative measures, you put them in place to stop getting to this point, but you still need to plan for an emergency. And when you're cutting staff and you're, you're drilling the numbers back, that the NHS is absolutely notorious for doing, but I'm sure if I'm right, this one here is a private care home. They're dwindling their numbers down to the finest, finest point, and they're putting lives at risk. And it's absolutely been proved that that is the case. So they have put two lives at risk and they have lost the battle. These two people lost their lives. These are someone's grandma, someone's mum, someone's sister, whatever. They are somebody's relation. And you have got three duties in health and safety, three reasons to manage health and safety, right? Not so much duties for what I'm going to say, but they are reasons to manage health and safety, financial, right? And the obvious reasons are you reduce yourself getting fined, you reduce yourself um, having to pay loads and loads of money in insurance premiums, etc., etc., right? So most people are quite competent or most businesses are quite focused on that part. Right. The next part is legal, which ties in quite closely with finance, but also you can go to jail for this shit as well. Right. But the third one that you all seem to forget, I say you, but I mean businesses seem to forget, and just generally the people, the populace of the world, seems to forget that we do this for a moral reason. These are people's fucking family that you are putting at risk here. People's family that you are putting at risk by not having enough staff or enough properly trained staff to evacuate your care home. You are running a care home. These people are vulnerable people. They come to you to continue their lives out with support, but yet you can't even plan to get them out of the building in the event of emergency. So let's look at the legal reasons. So there's three kind of key points that I kind of picked out in the regulatory reform order, and we've broken down the regulatory reform order in an earlier podcast. Um, so if you want to listen to that, jump back and have a listen. We've got Article 8, right? So we've got the general duties. Yeah, so everyone's got a duty to take general fire precautions, okay? The responsible person must take such general fire precautions as will ensure so far as reasonably practicable the safety of his employees and in relation to relevant persons who are not his employees. So in this case, the two people that died. So, what does general fire precautions mean? In this order, general fire precaution in relation to premises means measure to reduce risk of fire. Measures in relation to the means of escape from a premises. It's a legal duty, people. It's a legal duty. Means for detective. All of this stuff. Cut that bit. Actually. We'll just cut that bit. Next bit. You've also got in there, and general fire precautions, measures relating to the instruction and training of employees and measures to mitigate the effects of fire. Okay, so they might have mitigated, but let's be honest, they obviously haven't because the whole thing burnt to a crit. So it was an electrical fault that got into the roof, roof space, and then spread throughout the building and it burned the place down. Well, not down, it's still there, you can see from the photos, but so we've obviously got compartmentation problems there. It was started on an electrical fault, so you've obviously got electrical problems. And then you've also, in addition to that, you've not provided enough staff and you've not trained these staff to be able to get these people out. 
she, it's never one thing in a fire. It's always a collection of little things that you've always forgotten over time, and you just forget and you forget and you you cut corners, you cut corners, you have that race to the bottom, right? And that's resulted in the loss of life. And we need to really take stock for a moment and look at what we are doing. If you are a premises owner, you are putting lives at risk by not managing your fire risks not managing emergency evacuation and emergency planning. But let's look at this from a business sense, okay? So let's forget the moral side of it. Let's forget the legal requirements and let's forget the potential loss of life, okay? That care home is an asset. That care home is an income stream which is no longer an income stream. You've also damaged your reputation because I'm now talking about you on a podcast, not in a very nice light. You have damaged your business by not managing fire risks and the electrical risks in this building and not planning for emergencies. And you have lost a building and you still have customers that you need to house. So you've then had to go and find another care home right or it's not a care home it's a warehouse you've lost a load of products those products are now have to go to another warehouse whatever's left whatever can be saved you've had to cancel orders and on top of all of this at the same time you're dealing with a civil court case as well and a criminal court case as well in this case so all of this stuff it's just common sense to manage so what we're talking about here we're talking about electrical faults started this fire fixed electrical inspections, physical, 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 visible inspection of the electrical systems that you're using. You know, all of this stuff, communication with your contractors, contractors coming in to fix a plug. How's everything? Did you spot anything whilst you were there? No, everything looks fine. Oh, great, thank you. Compartmentation. If people are drilling through walls in your building and you have a sleeping risk in that building, something like a care home, or something like you've got a plant room in a building, that's most probably gonna be compartmented for 60 minutes, okay? And if you've got somebody doing work in that plant room or work in a building where you have a sleeping risk and you're likely to have quite a lot of compartmentation work and they're drilling through walls, you ask them, are you drilling through a compartment wall? I'm not sure, you tell me, you're the person that owns said compartment wall. Oh, good point. Let's go and have a look where we're doing the work. We're doing the work here, let's think. You know, is this going from another risk room is a sleeping risk? And to be honest, if you manage in a sleeping risk area, you'll know what compartment wall is. If you don't, um, I'm planning on doing a compartmentation video on YouTube. So keep your eye over there um, and subscribe and click the bell on YouTube. And then you'll get notified when it comes up. Anyway, so simple things like this, management of contractors, maintenance of your building, you know, being mindful of what these things do educating yourself do not buy a property and not know what goes into that property you know we don't buy a car and not really know the basics you know most of us know how to put the water in most of us know you know how to put fuel in it most of us know how to check the oil most of us know where to take it to a service when to take it for a service go to an mot but there's always some dickhead out there it just doesn't do any of that stuff and then their brakes fail and they put someone else at risk you know there's always going to be dickheads that just don't do this stuff. But you as a business owner, you've got too much to risk. You've got your own life 
because you potentially go to jail for this stuff. And I'm not a massive fan of preaching about going to jail, um, but you know, you could potentially go to jail for this stuff. But the worst, the, the most common case, and really what I would say the most, the worst case is if you shut your business down. You can't pay the bills. You can't send your kids to school if they go to a private school. Of course, we don't live in America, so I don't know why I use that analogy. But, you know, you can't send your kids to extra clubs. You can't buy your kids what they need and you can't pay the bills. And then you end up having to downsize your house all because you lost your business because you didn't mitigate for the risk of fire because you didn't maintain your building you've now lost your whole business so if that doesn't make you switch on if the, the death of these two ladies doesn't make you switch on if Grenfell doesn't make you switch on what the fuck is it going to take for you guys to actually listen and realize that everybody everybody has a duty to manage fire risk when we're talking about like kind of you, you as a business owner Right, it's, it's pretty obvious that there's a lot of people in your business as you grow. There's a lot of people that you've got to control, um, or not control. Control is not a very nice way to say it, but you've got to um, you've got to influence. You've got to manage. You know, we talked about this in the civil law podcast, didn't we, um, uh, last week? So you've got all these things to consider with people around like you're vicariously liable for what they do but also these people could be putting your business at risk these contractors you're putting your business at risk drilling through compartmentation walls not working you know in a correct manner and all this stuff so, so how do you manage all that going on well one you're employing the staff that you're employed so you know you should only employ not dickheads or non-dickheads um, you should employ good competent people what is competent at like well that's for you to decide that's the beauty of the current health and safety legislation is it's all for you to decide they give you guidelines they give you you know things to aim towards and that's where you should be and the ACOP gives you all the guidance that you should need to get there and from a fire perspective there's loads of guidance out there in, in the local government's page um, which I'll link in the description so there's enough guidance out there for you to be able to manage this stuff but why don't you well maybe you might maybe you raise your own competence maybe you are a good business owner and maybe you you know you're one of those people out there that aren't burning to the ground because let's be honest we're not driving around the street and everyone's on fire are we no so we're managing this pretty well aren't we well we must be because like i said not everywhere's on fire but you've got to plan for your emergency you've got to plan on the worst case scenario you know plan for the worst hope for the best preparing preparing to fail no failing to prepare is like preparing to fail it's all that stuff you've got to prepare for failure you've got to prepare for that property to potentially catch fire you've just got to think about this stuff and then when you think about it then you've got to talk to somebody else about it and you want to work as a team to get their opinion on how do we do this and then once you've decided on how you do it you've got to tell everyone in your business how you do it it's really not hard stuff you know in most of the buildings and most of the people that are listening to this podcast we're talking about having alarms maintaining the alarms the alarms go off and we get out of the building and then we're going to start talking about business continuity you know how can we continue shipping our product out when the place is burnt down or we've lost power or something like that or well okay we can take the, the properties out we, we can take the the products out we can put them in somewhere else we can ship them by this uh, manufacturer we can ship them direct from there there's all that stuff and you probably thought about that but yet you haven't thought about how you would get your staff out of it 
how you get your customers out of the building. And in this case, the customers were elderly people that have gone there to live out the, the rest of their life in a comfortable manner and yet ended up dying much earlier in a horrible, horrible way. And of those, there was a load more that went to hospital for burns as well. So there was 30, ooh, let me double check, let me make sure I get my numbers right. 33 residents were rescued, three of whom needed hospital treatment for burns and the effect of breathing in smoke. It's not nice, this stuff is not nice. And the frustrating thing is it's so easy to manage. What is safety? Safety is maintaining the building in, from a property point of view. It's maintaining the building that you have and understanding the risk of who's in there. So if you've got a sleeping risk, you know, it's understanding what compartmentation does. And that's just maintaining your building. Compartmentation is not a complicated thing. There are walls that resist fire in the way they're built and they're in specific places. It's really not that hard to do this stuff. It's about putting people in a property and asking the question, can they get out if the alarm goes off? No, because they're deaf and they don't, they can't hear the alarm. No, because they're, you know, in a wheelchair, so they would need assistance. So ask these questions in your head and think about it. Okay, how would these people get out? Are we staffed well enough? We're gonna have to help, you know, Deirdre and Dorothy from the care home, for example. That's not the names of the people that passed away, FYR. So, you, you, you would think that, how do we get these people out? They need help. Have we got enough people to do that? Well, if Dave goes to help Dorothy and Steve goes to help blah, blah, then actually we've now only got one member of staff to manage everybody else. You've got to think about this stuff. It's just emergency planning and it's, it's a legal duty, but it's, is it not common sense? Is, is it not, is it not just common sense? I mean, I'm not scripted this podcast because I knew, and maybe that's obvious to you all, but like I, I knew I would have enough to say because I'm just so infuriated when I read these stories that we just seem to not wake waking up. Even in the light of Grenfell, we're still not waking up. We're still having fires. We're still having people come to us and asking these kind of crazy questions. I still see it on LinkedIn, these kind of nuts questions where people have just not woken up and not educated themselves. And maybe they're asking questions on LinkedIn because they are educating themselves and fair enough, awesome. But it's out there and you don't need a specialist for most business. You don't need to employ a consultant. And I'm a massive, massive advocate for you doing this stuff yourself. But come on, do it. Don't just employ someone and get them to come in because nine times out of 10, they're going to cause you a pain in the ass because they're covering them their own ass anyway. You know, and we've covered all this stuff before about the perception of competency within the fire industry because they worked in a fire service or because, you know, you've not actually checked how long they're in the fire service or what they did in the fire service. You know, you know things like that because they're part of the, the IOSH group, you think, oh yeah, they must know what they're doing. Like, it's just all, all about these kind of just asking questions and just having common sense, you know. You, you, you wouldn't employ somebody to be a machine operator unless, you wouldn't employ someone to be a machine operator if they've never operated a machine unless you were willing to train them to operate said machine. So, 
would you do the same for a fire assessor? Would you do the same for anything else? If you decide to do it yourself, would you do the same for yourself if it was in relation to emergency planning? Well, no. Can you get a consultant in to do your emergency planning for you? No. You know the business, not them. They can come in and advise you what it should be, whether it should be simultaneous evacuation, whether you would go for progressive horizontal or progressive um, vertical or something like that. And that's fine. You maybe go out and get some guidance. But to be honest, guys, there's hundreds of thousands of support out there for you to manage the stuff yourself. And there's no excuse, no excuse to not do it. There is not, there's just no excuse. And I've said that like four times now, but there's genuinely no fucking excuse to not managing this stuff. If you own a business, if you own um, a property, you have a responsibility in both of those to manage fire safety but you also have a responsibility and a duty to plan for emergencies so do it so this podcast was a little bit off the hoof uh, a little bit uh, random and a little bit ranty and probably provided you not much value and if that's the case i do apologize um but the long and short of it is i thought i had two interviews booked for today um I didn't and I had all the podcast stuff set up so I thought fuck it let's just do a podcast what do I want to talk about and then this story came to mind that I read in a week um, and and that was it um, and actually let, let's let's not finish there we're only at 21 minutes so let's let's not finish there I'm gonna check phone yep still recording so actually let's not finish there so, I do have one thing to say. Just one thing you're saying. Just one thing, James. Um, this, this company got fined £175,000. Now, that doesn't include the civil compensation. They're probably going to have to pay out a hell of a lot more in the civil court of law and compensation. So, and FYI, if you don't know how that works, we did a podcast on that. And that is also on YouTube as well. So, or will be on YouTube, is on YouTube, is on YouTube, Civil Law um, Podcast. So check that out if you're not sure how it works. But they are going to receive hefty, hefty compensation. But most of that, depending on their insurance premiums, is going to come out of their insurance anyway. So do we think that 175000 is enough? Considering two people lost their life, two relatives of somebody to people that have had an impact on people in their lives. You know, we rarely go to a funeral and there's not a lot of people there. You know, most most of the people have touched a lot of people in their lives or communicated or been touched by a lot of people in their lives. And therefore, you know, you know are missed when they're gone, quite rightly. So is £175,000 enough to find them? The judge or some of you might be thinking, well, yeah, because they're gonna get civil compensation. But what's it going to take for people to listen, for people to prick their ears up? You know, we've changed the sentencing guidelines where people are now getting hefty, um, hefty fines, but it is proportionate to their business. But still, I look at £175,000 and I think, two people have died there. And what you've not done is, is easy. You've not managed your electrical systems, which caused the fire, and you've not managed fire spread because it's got into the life and uh, into the loft and spread massively. And then again, to to, to exacerbate that, you've then not managed your emergency planning as well. 
so for me they're just simple things and they were grossly mismanaged or not managed and, and, I, and I look at that and I just think well there's no excuse there so I, I look at 175 and I think it's not enough and, I, and I'm not a massive advocate of enforcement I think enforcement is is the last port of call and I do genuinely think that enforcement rarely works and I think this is the this is the prime example you know it, it, it just doesn't work so people might have a different perception on it now or maybe I have a different perception on it post Grenfell and fair enough that's what life does that's you know it gives us those kind of anchors in our brains and it changes our perception and we all live and learn and that's the point of life and that's the point of taking this stuff in and and I'm not gonna lie you know Grenfell hit me hard when I look at that and it just infuriates me and I can never watch a documentary about Grenfell and I've watched quite a lot from my, from my work and without getting really upset about it but and, and so my point there, sorry, my point there was that this fire was, was pre-Grenfell, all April, May, June, just before Grenfell being on the 14th of June, and this was on the 8th of April. So you could say that maybe the fire happened before Grenfell, and we were all in that position of complacency, maybe. I don't know. Those of us that work in the industry are not in a position of complacency because we've been saying this stuff for years. Um, you could argue that people are in a position of complacency and now we're harsher. So, you know, to look at the fine now, if it would be disproportionate to up it now. You, that argument maybe could be made. I, I don't think so. I don't think that would be fair. I think the, the fair point is that you've lost two lives and that's how I'm looking at this. And, and, and I'll be very interested to see the outcome of the inquiry for Grimfell as well. And I'm, I'm you know, keeping up with that. And those of you that are interested, you can keep up with that on YouTube. Um, they are long videos, bear in mind, and, and they are very, well, it's legal proceedings, so they are what they are. Um, but they are interesting. If you do watch them, I would probably go on and, and watch the fire service, firefighters being held to account for their actions or in some cases for their lack of, their lack of action or incorrect action in some people's opinion, it's not my opinion, um, but in some people's opinion, the incorrect or lack of action on the day, hence why they are being involved in an inquiry, hence why they're under a lot of pressure from the, the media. If they, are, if they can be held accountable, then we can be held accountable because what we're doing is nowhere near as an intense process or as an intense role and as a high risk role as what they do. And I suppose that's the point to take away from this, that go there and watch some of the videos of these firefighters standing up and, re and recalling the actions that they did on that night and the guilt you can see in their face that really I don't think it's a deserved guilt. I think they did everything they could and it's not their fault. Can they live and learn from this? Yes, as, as can all of us. But the point for you to all take away from this maybe is that if they can be held to account, so can you, and so should you, and so should, so should us all. Well, if I'd have said that right, that would have been a nice little clip to take out, wouldn't it? So I suppose that's a good point to end here. Um, it's been very ranty podcast. Um, I nearly ended it like 10 minutes ago and then I ended up waffling on for another 10 minutes. So I hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to check this out on LinkedIn. If you uh, LinkedIn, sorry, don't forget to check us out on YouTube as well. This podcast is being recorded on video, so you can come and check that out on YouTube and check out our other content on YouTube as well. If you want to catch up with me, hit me up on LinkedIn, James McPherson, on Twitter as well. I'm also on Facebook as well. Come find Rebranded Safety on Facebook. Catch you in the next podcast.
website.